Is your father here? Yep. May we see him? Sure. Dad, Tonwee's here. Masters and Padawans to episode 232 of Full Sith. I am the Mike Pilot. And here's the thing. Brian and Holly are at Dragon Con this weekend, and I'm actually here at work on Labor Day. So uh, Brian sent me an interview that he'd like to share with everybody. So for this week's episode, it's going to be Brian. He uh, had the opportunity to interview Daniel Logan, who is the actor behind Boba Fett and Attack of the Clones and Clone Wars. So they talked about the movies and about his time in the role and uh, what, what stories he had. So let's get into that right now. And when we're done, we'll close up the show and uh, we'll get out of here. So here's Brian with Daniel Logan. Uh, my name is Brian Young, and uh, I, write, I do a f- podcast called Full of Sith. I write for StarWars.com and Star Wars Insider and places like that. And uh, I'll be the MC today. And without further ado, I'm going to welcome uh, Daniel Logan to the stage. And he's got a... Thank you, Brian. I brought a little bit of the Wookiee scalp with me because... Um, don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but unfortunately, Pete isn't going to be able to make this Q&A. Um, it's been a pretty hard week on him this week. Um, and he's also having some family issues back at home where his wife's actually in the hospital. So, unfortunately, his mind hasn't been here this weekend. I know it's been a little rough, and you guys have probably all been worried about him, as I am too, and his wife. Um, but you guys got me. There you go. So... Just to make it a little more fun and enjoyable, I wanted to introduce you guys to some of my, my best friends, um, off also Instagram, if you follow Instagram. One of them in the orange hat, come on, is Wasted Fit. He is a guy who's actually building me my Boba Fett armor right now. And then the other guy, you guys might know, this is Boba. His actual name is Alex Lane. He's Lane uh, Creation Studios, and he painted me my Boba Fett armor. I mean, helmet. So I figured I'd just, you know... If you guys had more questions on behind the scenes of what it takes to actually get a boba armor or um, all the inc- uh, intricate little parts, this guy's more of a nerd. At, and these actually two guys are more of nerds at them uh, than I am. I just started learning all the small little bit part words like the EE3 blaster. I'm like, oh, that's a cool gun. He's like, no, bro, that's an EE3 blaster. I'm like, sorry, Nino, won't get that one wrong. So I want to ask a lot of people keep asking you, I'm sure, about when you're getting into the suit, and now you can have an answer that's not going to get you in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, what, what made you want to, to get a Boba Fett costume that you didn't... I mean, it's not like you could run around in the one you were in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I'd look like a little schoolgirl, you know, in that little small little blunt, uh, blue jumpsuit, but... Um, the thing of, that's always fascinated me about this costume is when you see a Boba Fett walking around or even a Mandalorian walking around a convention, you wonder, man, that is cool. That is sweet. And even as a character, I was such a big fan that I wanted one of my own. So the Mandalorian Mercs um, reached out to me about 50 years ago. <laughs> no, actually about 10 years ago. And they said, hey, Daniel, I want to build you your own Boba Fett armor. We're going to make it out of metal. We're going to specially design it to you. 
And I had a lot of people come to my house and size me up and fit me, but I never got the armor. So they delivered me this nice helmet, but it just didn't uh, sit right with the paint. But I was just so proud to have any Boba Fett uh, uh, helmet that I took it around to conventions. And that's when I met Nino when he came up to me and uh, Django Fett, Timo and Marson. And he said, Daniel, I took a picture with you at your photo ops today, and I just want to let you know I can actually help you to get a little nicer of a helmet. Actually, that's my helmet right there. So he molded it, and uh, Alex, he took the time, and he painted it for me. So that was the beginning of me being able to show off just a little bit of what's to come. But then they surprised me and said, no, this is just one to take to conventions. This is just one that people can put on their heads. If they drop it by accident, you're not going to be like, oh, no! <laughs> so uh, it was really nice of them to actually give me that opportunity not to even just have a collection of helmets like Iron Man. So I want to ask, you never... Uh, you never really got a chance to act as Boba Fett where he would be in this armor, but you did actually, and we didn't actually know about it. So there's, uh, there's some stuff that Dave Filoni revealed at Celebration. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what he might have shown and what everybody saw that, uh, that you actually got to be that version of Boba Fett. <laughs> so in the Clone Wars, they started going really dark. And the way I got my job was I went around to every convention that I could see or heard Dave Filoni going to, and I would buy him dinner, lunch, breakfast, or a cup of tea. So I get this phone call, and it's like, hey, uh, Daniel, we are interested in having Boba come back in the Clone Wars. Would you want to reprise your role? And I'm like, heck yes. So I got on to the, I went to the studio, and I went straight up to Dave Filoni. I go, hey, man, I am so grateful for the, all those days that I greased up and I bought you lunch and dinner. You finally gave me a job. He goes, no, no, what are you talking about? I didn't give you this job. And I'm like, what? He says, no, no, uh, George actually came into the storyboard room. We didn't know where to go with the story. And he says, you know what? I want Boba Fett in the Clone Wars called Daniel Logan. And it's like, right? It's like God calling you to heaven twice. You know, you're like, I'm coming back, Daddy. I'm coming. Um, And it just really boosted me again in the Star Wars universe and solidified that character name, Boba Fett, under the (coughs) Daniel Logan franchise. Um... We were starting to do some pretty cool stuff. I mean, Boba just started killing. I mean, you know, he went from being this little novice kid that didn't know where he was in the galaxy to becoming this really badass little kid. And, um, Cad Bane was one of the first that came across Boba. And we actually got to see our first part of a revenge part of it. But it also got to show an arc that Boba Fett was, well, uh, well, um, uh, what's the Known word? and respected. Exactly. And- so how can you take that story too quickly, right? Like, how is he going to kill a character like Cad Bane? What does it take in order for him to be out of taking that character out of the whole entire series of the Clone Wars? Um, but it had to be done. But to be done in the right way. So what happened was, it was meant to be like an old western. Boba and Cad Bane, they kind of, you know, stood off. And it was just a quick draw, boom, right? But because Boba's the baddest and the one who shoots first... He shot first and ended up getting his uh, dent in his helmet that way. But the next couple of scenes that they didn't show after that was when Boba's helmet fell off his head. Well, there's a little boy at the end of that, well, small girl man, um, whose face they would have come out of it all. But they didn't show it. So I'm like, dang it. It was like the episode three. I had you guys tell you another story. They held me for a year on episode three, saying, oh, we don't know when we want you to come film, but we know we want you to film. Just we want to hold you for a year. So I'm like, okay, hold me forever. So um, when, they're, when they're holding you, that's like they're paying you to be available anytime they want to 
bring you in? Didn't pay. They oh. just said, hey, we want to hold you. And I said, okay, hold me as long as you want, baby. Put me in your arms and cradle me. I'll <laughs> wait for you back, Mr. Lucas. Um, but no, so um, I got a little excited with my cradling story. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I waited for a whole year. And then at the end of the year, I knew there's not much more film time left. Like, they're going to have to start going into post. They're going to have to start going into editing and special effects. And that takes another year itself. So what I did is I flew myself down to Australia. And I just showed up at the set. Well, I got to see all the storyboards of how Boba was meant to kill Mace Windu. But Samuel Jackson said, I don't want to be killed by a punk kid. I just happen to be that punk kid. So when I explained, well, how, how is that, you know, being punk? He goes, well, you know... Samuel, we just didn't think it was right that a little child could take one of the Jedi on the Jedi Council and that it would make the Jedi Council look very weak. And at this time, I'd done some research about Boba Fett, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm Boba, man. Like, he's Samuel Jackson. You know, he doesn't use Mace Windu. He goes, he's Samuel Jackson. I go, all right. But you got to, uh, in Clone Wars, your first arc, though, was infiltrating uh, a group of clone commandos and getting about as close to kill Mace Windu as anybody ever had. You know, and for, that was so sweet because I got to do so many different voices. I just didn't play Boba. I played all the other clones, but all the other clones had to be different. So you couldn't just talk the same with every single clone. So for me to have to go to all those reaches, it allowed my acting abilities to grow, right? So I actually got four hours of Corey Burton. He is actually one of the best voiceover actors there is. He said, you know what, Daniel? Looks like you're having a little bit of difficulties with these scripts. They're different than acting scripts. Why don't you FaceTime me this week? We'll go over for about an hour uh, about the scripts. Because I had so many questions, it took four hours. And it wasn't like he wanted me off the phone. It was so, he was just so happy to help a, a fellow actor or a voiceover actor. And, yeah, four hours we FaceTimed. For those who may not know, Corey Burton uh, is the voice. Like, he's the diverse. He's got such a diverse cast in Star Wars. I mean, he's the voice of Zero the Hutt and Count Dooku. So, like, that's kind of his range. He's yeah. everybody. It's amazing. Uh, amazing. Um, did, did you talk to Dee Bradley Baker at all? Because he'd been sort of in that space doing a lot of different clones too. Yeah, Dee's cool, you know. Um, we went back and forth because his accent was kind of Australian to me. You know, when he talked like the clones, like, all right, yeah, get over here, mate. Yeah, all right. You know, where Tim talks more like, what are you doing? He sounds like more like a yogi bear from an island. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? What is it, Dad? You know, like we talk like yogi bear. You know, where Australians have this twang like an American twang. Um, but we, he, we, I was able to give him some advice also on how we speak and mumble and quickly talk through words that helped him also when the rest also helped me out. And the way we actually do it is that we sit down like, like Alex would be one character, Nina would be one character, I'm Boba, and then you're another, right? So then he would say his line, you would say your line, I say my line, you say your line. And then we go back, ba 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 ba. So it's like a story that we're all getting to feed on each other. And it's the way that the last person was able to deliver their line is what I was able to make you feel more powerful in that scene because you just heard how that action or reaction was. So you were able to give that reaction just purely off that voice. Were any of the actors there that you were giving in that performance uh, a little intimidating because of the intensity of their performance? I mean, Corey Burton was also Cad Bane, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what was that like uh, with the intensity of some of these people who are just sort of, sort of legends and voice actors? Was there anybody that was intimidating to you in that way when you were in the booth? Well, actually, it's funny because we casted at, uh, we did it at LA Studios, but all the Star Wars cast were also down to earth and so cool. It was the other people that were recording in the other studios next door. Like Seth Green was always doing Robot Chicken right next door. So anytime I could go outside and sit in the lobby, I waited because I'd see either him or his wife walk past. I'm like, hi, how you guys doing? 
No? Don't remember me? Don't know? Okay. <laughs> About my day, you know? But that's the, that was the cool part. Like, celebration this year, I got to uh, have a new life and a new blood into this whole business of Star Wars. My whole life has been able to say, I know all the actors, and they all know me, and we're family. But having new actors and new people in this family, it's allowed you to have, like, now you're married into another family, but your family's even harder, you know? Like, you got Sarah Michelle Gellar in your family now, you know? And um, what's his name? Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie, yeah, Freddie's awesome. Freddie was just like a monk. He walked by me like this. <laughs> Didn't even recognize him, you know? Um, and what about, like, con families? I mean, this is not your first Dragon Con. This is not our first time on stage together. Yeah. Um, what about uh, the, the connection that cons like this, and specifically Dragon Con, have given you with fans and, and people like this? Like, what is... That's definitely not a world I can see you having imagined being a part of. No, I grew up in New Zealand, so I'm in New Zealand. I grew up in a very small island, small place, not very much opportunity, right? Um, so when this whole thing came about, I went to my very first celebration. It was Celebration 2. I had eight bodyguards around me. No one was allowed to touch me, take a picture of me, breathe the same air as me. It was crazy. And that's when I was like, oh, man, this thing is bigger than life. But then I grew up with my mom. She was raising six kids by herself. So if you have one woman trying to survive plus support six other males... She's working hard and doesn't have very extra, uh, much extra. So when I started doing the conventions, it didn't only enable me to like continue doing acting classes and pursue my passions, but it helped me take care of my family, take care of my friends, you know, like show my friends the world too. And it's just like, it, it's been a big benefit on both parts. Like not only just being part of the Star Wars franchise, but the community of the convention franchise. Like I had Gary Fisher, Carrie Fisher's dog at my table. And... We were just doing donations. I mean, we'd give away a free poster if you took a picture with the dog and gave him the, the donation or whatever. And I mean, the Star Wars community, they, it was like $2,000 in like a two-hour time span of him just sitting at my table. I was like, man, he's making more money than I am. I'll have to give me a dog and start, you know, taking pictures with a dog. But um, it was a beautiful cause, you know, to give back to the little guy. And you guys might think, well, Carrie's dog? But now Carrie's manager has uh, Gary. But it's only because Carrie and the manager were the closest people to this dog. They were on the road with the dog every time, that it, you know, every week, every day. So it was more in touch with Car uh, the manager than it was Carrie's daughter. And I can understand as a person going out and saying, hey, can I get a couple bucks to feed the dog? Or, hey, the dog has a vet appointment this week. Can I get a couple bucks? That could become a little, you know, embarrassing. So I just said, hey, why don't you come bring the dog? We'll get some posters and you can take pictures and lick people and see, you know, what happens. And the Star Wars community came out. And they show, even if you're a part of a part of Star Wars, like an animal attached to someone like a princess, they will love that animal just as much as they love me and Carrie Fisher. You know, it, it was beautiful. Beautiful. I'd probably pay for a photo op with Gary. Someone, <laughs> someone came and paid like $100. I was like, what? You know, it makes you want to cry. You're like, damn, you people are the best. You know what I'm saying? Support anything in Star Wars. It truly does. Um... So getting back to Attack of the Clones and the way, the way that worked, you've talked a little bit about how the voice acting worked, but how is that different from being on the set for Attack of the Clones? Um, well, as you guys see, I move a lot, right? When I'm talking, I'm like one of those like Mexican, Spanish people, like, hey, hola, hey, you know, so I move a lot. And in the studio, they had me kind of stay still. They're like, Daniel, like, you're losing a lot of the ability of the character when you move and you're doing and you're moving from from the mic. 
because they want you to be on the mic like this the whole entire time, and they want you to talk, and they want you to say the same thing, and you know, where I'm like, hey, how you doing? Oh, back going. Oh, now I'm hot, now I'm low. Hey, hi, you know, and it was killing them. They're like, this kid does not sit still. So I literally had to sit and be like, Boa, get over here, and do the voices like that. Um, so it changed the whole entire uh, dynamic of my acting abilities. So where I always relied on my body to be able to convince people where I was, where I'm going, how I was in the scene, I had to only do that through a voice. And that voice is so, so hard, which most people don't even understand. How's, how's Boba's voice different than yours? Uh, I had this blind kid come up to me many years ago. And uh, he says, uh, uh, Mr. Logan, wh- uh, why do you have a high squeak, squeaky, pe- uh, high-pitched squeaky voice? And he's only by sound, right? So I'm like, I sound like that? And I never, ever realized that I got this high, squeaky, pitchy voice. Um, but I guess it's just part of me and Boba now. Um, I think the fact that George allowed me to have so much of me part of that character, like my face, my language, my, my voice, my body, um, I couldn't help but become immersed and part of him as well, as he is me. Mm-hmm. Um, we will, we've got uh, a microphone around s- somewhere. Yeah, so if... If uh, anybody has questions to ask, we will open this up for questions. If you want to come around and line up in this uh, this uh, area over here, we've got a gentleman with a microphone, and uh, we can take some questions. But while we're doing that, I, I, w- I want to ask about uh, um, that transition, like the difference when you were on set, uh, Boba in the film isn't exactly as uh, hyper as, as you might be. Yeah. <laughs> how did you? How were you able to contain that? And how? Um, what advice did you get on set from people like Ted? Well, my mom just made sure they didn't give me any candy. I'm like, no candy for Daniel. So whenever the candy bowl came around, it was like, oh, you want some? Nope. You want some? You want some? Right. So that allowed me not to have that sugar high because I was always bouncing off sugar. But my ADHD has just allowed me to have this high energy all the time, and it never turns off. I mean, I think I'm still talking in my sleep some nights, but. Um, it's totally two different people, right? And I think that's what we do in acting. We have to go to different places and become different people in order to take other people on a journey that you are not. So I never thought about it like that. That's very weird, Brian. It's like I'm, I'm like a Ge- I am a Gemini, so like Bob is one part of my personality and Daniel Logan's the other side of the personality, you know? Well, and I mean, it's Sunday at Dragon Con and you still have this much energy, so I think that's pretty apparent for everybody. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you know, I love Dragon Con. You've got to pace yourself. It's like a marathon. If you sprint it in the beginning, you're going to put out. You're not going to last to the end, right? Not at all. <laughs> but if you pace yourself and you do a Dragon Con the way an adult should do Dragon Con, you just have a couple hours every night, you know, say hello to the people and then go to bed and watch some um, fixer-uppers. So before we go to audience questions, <laughs> I want to ask... Before we go to audience questions, I want to ask one question so that we can kind of make sure we don't necessarily get questions about it. But uh, naturally, there's always all kinds of rumors about a Boba Fett movie. You probably don't know anything about that. And even if you did, you probably wouldn't be able to say anything about it, right? No, yeah, I'm going to be in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there you go. There's a no, scoop. No. I wish. Um, I think with, also with the boys getting on my side and helping to build the armor... It's starting to show the fans and Lucasfilm, like, hey, I, I love this armor. I love this character, and I love Star Wars. And it's allowing people to realize, hey, like, he still has a passion for it. Now we just need to see if he can still act, you know? So, right? Trust me, I'm thinking the same thing. I did Sharknado 4, and I'm like, oh. 
<laughs> but I just did another sci-fi last week, and I'm like, I still got it. You know, my wife's like, damn, baby, you pretty good. I was impressed. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm an actor. That's my job. She's like, I ain't seen you acting forever. <laughs> so now that that's out of the way, please. But uh, no, I don't know. But yeah, there's a petition too, guys. If you want to get on Instagram, help me out. Throw your voice in love. <clears throat> you know, I, I mean, would have not, you know, tag that in there real quick. How many of you would like to see Daniel in a Boba Fett movie, though? You guys are too kind. You know, I've been training with Ray Park uh, to try to get back in shape for the Boba film, but I think Ray's just trying to make me his boxing bag instead of actually baby Boba again. So I'm thinking I'm going to give up and just start rowing. You know? That might be less dangerous than training so. with Ray Park. Yes, sir. Hey, Daniel. Uh, thanks, first of all, for uh, thank you for coming to Atlanta. Um, I know you have a pretty big social media presence. You're on Instagram and everything. Uh, Star Wars memes are pretty big right now, specifically prequel memes. And I was just wondering if uh, you'd seen that you like a lot or if you're just aware of that in general. No, I love it. There was, like, this big time where we yip, 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 right? So these people were like, damn, Daniel, like, you must hate yip. And I'm like, I've not loved it more in my life, you know? I didn't think such a little word in a big franchise like that would be able to live on through almost 20 years later. But it's funny, like, we were just saying the other, one the other day, like, uh... You read them. Like you can put yip on the end of anything. Like, hey, you coming to dinner? Yep. And then you have Daniel Logan's head holding the helmet, helmet holding the head, you know? Or um, I, I like it. I want to continue making them, but I'm just not tech savvy that I can't create my own yips. So I go and I just draw them on my own pictures. Like, I'll go down in my autograph stack. I'm like, oh, okay, what's a nice photo? Okay, draw yip on it, you know? The old, I, I'm still a little ghetto, you know? I'm all back, back in the drawing and writing days. But I love it. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. And you know what? It's things like that which is keep Star Wars alive. You know, it's not just the movies and the franchise. It's the fans and the like expanded universe. It's the it's the internet now. It's everything. Fan films. You know, and that's why us as Star Wars fans, we continue to live through it because there's so much of it everywhere. I got you. Awesome. Thank you. You too, Spidey. <laughs> and Boba Fett's one of those characters that's just always going to be around since his first appearance. You know, it's. It's one of those merchandises that just sound like no other, too. You know, I'm like, I see everyone buying the toys and then they go straight to Germany, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Daniel, thank you for uh, coming out to Dragon Con. Really appreciate it. Uh, just one question What happened to Django's head? Why didn't it fall out? It did. It does. It falls out. Of the helmet? When you're holding yes. it? Not as gruesome as you think. Not like little Bob is going to grab the helmet back. <laughs> Right? Oh, I um, But uh, I have to kick the helmet a couple times in order to soften up oh, the head. Soften and it up drops. the head. There we go. Okay. Um, no, actually, if you watch the film, as, ja- as Mace is cutting off the head to Django, you actually see the separation from the helmet and the head. And if you slow it freeze by fr- uh, frame by frame, this is how much of a fan I've become. I actually literally watch my own movie frame by frame. <laughs> right? That's, that's how you have to keep up with people like us. I have to, you know? <laughs> Because then I got my own knowledge now, and I come back like, oh, you got it. I got some of my own Star Wars trivia. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you watch it, you see the shadow of the helmet actually leaving the, uh, the head leaving the helmet. Um, so George actually is such in detail that he can even put it in, uh, you know, without us even, even us thinking about it, and he still put it in, you know? Thank you. But I didn't know that Django got his head chopped off until the very minute I watched the film. At the premiere, he got his head chopped off. Everyone else went, oh, and I went, yes. <laughs> I'm not even lying. So I got all the news media after that, like, 
what the heck, Daniel? That was like, how'd you cheer when your father got his head chopped off? I said, for once, I didn't know. And two, now I know that I'm the baddest bounty hunter in this galaxy. <laughs> so, like, can, can you elaborate more on how you were to have killed Samuel L. Jackson? So the storyboards went something like uh, another arena scene. But Bober was a little bigger, and he actually was in the armor. And Mace tried to come with him at the, at the same thing as he did with his father, with the lightsaber and his finishing move. But Boba jumps on his back, hits the jetpacks, flies along the ground backwards, and then pulls out the two uh, blasters and goes, poof, poof, and shoots Mace right between the stomach. Exactly, right? <laughs> and we go, ah, ah, ah. I'm too weak. <laughs> right? Anakin, finish him. That's what it should have been, right? We got so, Django. He can't do that. I what, forgot the lines. Where, uh, where would that have been? Like, what would what was the the setting for that? Would you, would you have been in Palpatine's office? No. It, uh, what I'm thinking is it was probably uh, a finishing factor after he got shot down the window. It went shock, bam, in the arena. He got up, still a little disorientated, and then Bulber is there in the arena. You know? And he's like, uh-oh, here comes Junior Fett, about to take me out. And then, you know, poof, and it would have been the best. But, unfortunately, like me, guys, we didn't get it. Didn't get it. Okay, Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man 2. Um, yeah. Spider-Man 2 from 2002, not the amazing. Um, <laughs> you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spidey 1. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from 2004, sorry. Um, my question is, you know, the whole thing about Boba Fett, he's a character who, when he's in, a, in the original trilogy, he's, like, super cool, super badass, and, but, he, but, I mean, there's not much to his character, and he's kind of, he's not given the, a big finish, you know, he's just kind of, ah, into the starlight pit. I, I was wondering, I don't know if you knew that when you were going into the role, or, at any, or by the time you were in, doing it in the Clone Wars, but... I don't know. Did it feel daunting that you were, you know, finally giving a little more character to 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 the role of Boba Fett than he was ever actually initially given? I think that was one of the key aspects of the character coming back was that he was so loved in this franchise. Excuse me. Um, and I thank George Lucas every single day. I swear, it's probably not a day I pray to George Lucas, and he's not even in heaven yet. You know, I thank him for my opportunity to Star Wars. Um, he knew exactly what was getting given to this little kid. This little kid had no clue what George just gave him, right? He gave me the gift of life and more. But being the fact I grew up in New Zealand, I didn't know much of Star Wars at the time. It wasn't that I wasn't a fan. I just... Most people don't understand that growing up in the years between episodes 6 and 1, there was 16 years of absolutely no Star Wars besides of what the fans could create. And the fans almost always created Boba Fett line stories, which kept him alive. I mean, I've read a bunch of, like, the original, like, Spandy Universe Boba Fett stuff, and I think Boba Fett is a character that's, like, become so popular because, not necessarily because, it's almost something like something what the fans have made out of him, and what, like, what, what, and more than what he, what he was in the actual original trilogy, and, you know, of course, what you've done with him later on. It's, it's, yeah, that's, that's basically my... You know, it's crazy, because I was just a little kid with a big imagination, I used to have a lot of, I was very hyper, so my mom would send me to my room all the time. It was either whack me or send me to my room, so she figured she'd be a little more, you know, humane and just send me to my room. So I was always in my room all the time by myself, so I figured I'd just make imaginary friends up. So when it came to Star Wars, I was like, hey, there's Ton Wing, she's like seven foot tall, and I'm like, okay. And they're like, man, what, 
what's the kid looking at? You know, I'm, I'm looking at Tom Wee, you know? I kept looking at the same spot every single time. Like, if you see that one cue where me, Tom Wee, Ewan McGregor, and uh, Django Fett are all in the same, in, in, in our building, right? She's not standing there. She's actually not even there at all. But I had to continue finding that same eye mark with no tape, no nothing, and then look back at everyone else, and then pretend I'm going back and looking at Tom Wee again, you know? And there was nothing besides my imagination. But if I would have dropped my eye line just a little, that next take would have looked way less, uh, would have looked a lot weaker than if I would have continued looking at the same eye line like I am talking to her, she's talking, and I'm seeing her, right? Like it'd be different if I'm looking at you now, and then I change my eye line and I'm looking at you down here, right? Yeah. You'd be able to see through the movie that, that hour. But um, yeah, just a lot of imagination went into this creating Boba. George asked me, uh, hey, Daniel, you're going to come back and uh, there's going to be asteroids. And you're going to be flying through this asteroid field and um, uh, you're going to be chasing a Jedi. Can you do that? Like, oh, yeah, I could do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. You know, it's just his way of direction is able to create a little kid's mind in order to be able to see what he wanted to see. And I, I heard a lot of people go, well, he's just like, faster, quicker, speed it up, more and more. But it's like, as an actor, you shouldn't have a director directing you the whole time, especially if you're an adult. You should have already gone to enough acting classes that you have enough abilities behind you in order to do what you got paid for. Um, but I think as a kid, you get away with that. And that's why I got so much direction. I mean, and that's one thing that I just was thinking the other week. I was like, you know... So the day I die, and for the rest of my family's generations, I will be able to tell my family I was directed by George Lucas in a Star Wars film. In his film, you know? We will always forever have Star Wars, but there will always be new directors, new visions, you know, new story writers. But it all came from one God, George Lucas. And I got to touch that man, you know? So if you don't want a piece of him, come and touch me, come on. (laughs) Next question. Who is your favorite hero, villain, and droid? My favorite hero has got to be Iron Man. Uh, just because he re- reminds me of Boba so much. And if I could, like, you know, when my boys help me out, I have a whole room full of just different suits. You know, I got the holiday special, the blue one. That's my favorite one. Um, I'm getting the uh, ESB, Empire Strikes Back. I'm going to have to get another one, like my boy over here, Return of the Jedi. And then, you know, you walk into your room, you're like, hmm. What boba do I want to be today? You know, like, mm, it's a blue day. No, let's go. Empire Strikes Back. You know what I'm saying? That's what I thought was always be cool to me. Um, but also his story. So the backstory behind Robert Downey Jr. is that he actually was one of the highest insurance pay, uh, people actor. Meaning, when you go on a film set, you actually have to pay insurance on that actor as if you've got car insurance, life insurance, or whatever else. Because if that actor doesn't show up for one day, that could cost a big film set hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Well, someone has to pay that hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if that actor seems to have done that, it kind of hits your insurance record. Then your insurances go up. So he was at almost, I think, a million dollars just to have him work on your movie. Well, no one wanted to pay the insurances on his, on an actor like that because then you have to pay him, you have to do all the rest, and put up a, a million dollars just on insurances. But um, uh, who was it? The Australian. Russell Crowe, I think. He actually said on one of these films, I will put up his money, I believe in the kid, I think he's an amazing actor, and that gave him the opportunity to sober up and then he actually came back and he came back even bigger and better than what he was when he was going through struggles but we you all go through your struggles right it's just not actors it's just 
you glorify an actor more because they're more in the limelight. But the fact is, he was able to overcome that and produce such great work like Iron Man, which makes you go, man, I can respect that. You know? Uh, Droid RTD2. Just only because Kenny Baker was like an uncle to me. Um, I remember like sitting in the car with Kenny from San Francisco all the way back from, um, uh, all the way back to LA. And he was drunk off Chardonnay. And uh, I was filming him the whole time back. And I could not stop laughing. He's like, he opened one eye. What? What are you looking at? And I was like, <laughs> So then we stopped. And we stopped at like a gas station to fill up gas. And he kind of was like, Where are we? I go, Kenny, we just at the restaurant. But we just come from the restaurant, right? And he finished having some Chardonnay. He's like, Wake me up when it's done. <laughs> what, what, are, what in the world are the circumstances that create a Boba Fett R2-D2 road trip? <laughs> Actually, funny enough, Steve Sansweet. Th- that explains everything. So Steve Sansweet invited us all up to his, his ranch um, to see his archives, right? I fall asleep in the sun on his, like, cabana or something like that, and then I just wake up. You know when you wake up and you know someone's standing near you or over you? And Steve Sansweet's just looking at me like this. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, are you ready to go see my museum? Like, yes, Mr. Sansweet, let's do this. Yeah, that was the story. And then there was a, a couple other droids, like Anthony Daniels and uh, Ray Park. Uh, Peter Mayhew was there. We went, I went on a road trip with Peter Mayhew. If don't want to do that again. <laughs> I'm too ADHD for all of these guys, you know? They're like, damn it, Daniel. Why can't you be like the rest of us and just be mellow? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe me stuck with this for six hours in the car. It's not pleasant. <laughs> thank you for your question. Yeah, thank you, darling. Next one. In that scene where um, Django, Boba is holding Django's helmet, is that an actual? Is that the actual helmet? Or yeah. Is, all right. Yeah, no, that was the actual helmet. So um, I was actually getting out of the wardrobe. The helmet was in the costume room. The changing rooms were in the back of it. So then I ended up having to come back out, put all the rest of the little, like, intricate parts on. And then on the way out, it was literally like George just grabbed the helmet and was like, all right, come on, follow me. Me, George, and the cameraman. That was it. I'll tell you a good story, though. <laughs> Sorry, bro. No, no, go ahead. Uh, so my costume, I only had one costume, but they figured, all right, the kid's only got so many scenes. How many costumes does he need, right? So they made me one costume. Well, Hayden Christensen invited me over to his room to play the Dreamcast. Never had met Hayden Christensen in my life. We're sitting in the arena, and he goes, Hey, little man, how you doing? I'm like, hey, I'm okay. He goes, hey, uh, dude, I got a gift for you after this. Come to my room when we're done, and I'll give you that gift. And I'm like... <laughs> so I looked at my mom, like, hey, is this stranger danger, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is this still classified as I shouldn't talk to this guy or go to his room? So uh, I go to his room, you know, knock on his door, opens the door. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm here for that gift. And the, uh, he has a PlayStation with like 16 games. And he goes, hey, kid, do you have a PlayStation? I said, no, I don't. But my family had just bought a PlayStation, right? But it was like the family's PlayStation. So I'm like, no, I don't. So he's like, oh, cool, I want to give you this PlayStation. I'm like, oh, man, I've always wanted a PlayStation 1. Well, I did. I didn't want a family one. I wanted my own one. <laughs> so he had a Dreamcast, right? And I knew at the time that the plugs were the same, but the voltage was different. So I told him, hey, like, you probably don't want to plug that in unless you have a voltage changer because it doesn't adapt. He goes, nah, I got this. It's okay. He plugs it in. He puts a game in. He turns it on. And he goes, 
<laughs> literally blows up, dude, starts smoking. Well, these sen- the sensors in these rooms, in the chain, like the, uh, our back rooms are so sensitive that all the springs are like... I got one suit. I didn't get out of the costume. I was still in the costume. So the wardrobe ladies the next day had me come in early because they had to stay up all night making me my new boba outfit for the next day. How did Rick McCallum smoke back there? (laughs) Yeah, right? I don't know. (laughs) See, I was so novice to all that. I didn't even see anyone smoking cigarettes or anything, you know? I knew nothing. Ewan just kept me under his wing was like, come on, kiddo. I'm going to show you the world of acting. But, yeah, so then the next day, she's sitting there and I'm having to hold my arms like I'm going through a TSA checkpoint. You guys have been through one, right? No. Not yet? Good, don't. And if they say go through the machine, go through the buzzer, uh, the, the electric machine. It's healthier. So I'm holding my arms up, right? She's like, all right, we're going to have to sew you. Don't move. And I'm like, ah! She's like, don't move. I'm like, I did not move, you know? And then like, on the other side, all right, I'm going to have to like, do adjustment over here. I'm like, okay, make sure you don't move or I'll prick you. Okay, I won't move. Oh! I told you not to move. I'm like, I'm sure I didn't move. You know what I mean? Um... But that's how I got my secondary outfit. <laughs> and then George is like, dude, this messy little kid, how can I protect that new outfit? So he's like, hey, do you got any more of that leather of Django fit? Because I kept complaining. I'm like, I thought I got a gun. I thought I got a helmet. I thought I got a jetpack. And they're like, yeah, kid, you will, just not in this movie. And not in any that you're going to be in either. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, so I was always asking, like, can I get something else? I want, like, something else, something else, you know? So uh, they cut a hole in uh, the extra part of uh, Django's cape and threw it over my head. And Joe's like, all right, kid, happy you got a poncho. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh, I guess they asked for extra, but I was kind of envisioning something a little more with the blaster, you know? Uh, the, the toy with the poncho got packaged with the blaster. Because they knew I was asking for a blaster the whole entire time. <laughs> <laughs> How did Hayden deal with that situation? Um... Well, I know that he lost the PlayStation, he lost the Dreamcast, and I think he lost like 250 bucks because it's not cheap to get the fire department called to the, uh, the set. So um, it, it was a losing day for him. Definitely would not have went to the casino if I was hitting that day. So Because um, I wasn't definitely not giving him back the PlayStation. <laughs> I mean, I told him not to plug it in. Um, when, and, the PlayStation would probably be worth money today, huh? I'm like, this is the Hayden Christensen PlayStation. I just go buy one off Craigslist and they just keep recycling them, you know? There's like 50 of them out there. Like, no, no, this is the one. You know, props, right? Uh, um, no, no, no. Back then, um, did you have... I, they didn't give a lot of people the whole script. Uh, how much of the story of Attack of the Clones did you know or did you need to know as you were shooting? Or did they just say, here's your lines on a given day and you just got sides as you showed up? Yeah, just every day. Every day you get a little piece of paper like this. It has your watermark behind it. So it would have Daniel or D. Logan, Boba Fett. And then the script's printed all on top of it. So if I was to take that script and run it through a printer or to try and copy it, it would come out all purple. So you, ain't, you weren't even able to copy the scripts. That's why there's no doubles or duplicates of any script on Star Wars. They've only just got the main ones because for the majority of the scripts, there was no you, you weren't able to do them. But George would only give you what you were able to know. He would not give you any more because I felt that he wanted it to be a special movie for you too. Because the way he did it, he did it back to front, front to back, middle to the end, you know, and it just 
went all over the place, and at the end of it, he was like, all right, and he just remembered. He's like, okay, my story is that. It was over there, okay, there, and he just put it all together like a puzzle. But I only got like two pieces of paper. The, the morning I'd go in, and I'm lucky my lines were, dead Ton Weiss. Oh, no, it was, yep. Dead Ton Weiss here. What is it, dead? Watch out. Dead fire. Dad, watch out. You got him. I think we're being tracked. I kind of a quite a bit lines. Dude, I can't wait to get on Instagram this week and fight with those kids who said that I have only a few lines in Star Wars. <laughs> I'm going to calculate them by letters. I'm like, well, do you know how many letters I spoke in Star Wars? We're at almost 30 now. <laughs> Next question. Hey, Daniel, I'm a huge fan of Boba Fett, by the way. Um, what I wanted to know is, in episodes four through six, I noticed the entire time you've been working with Jabba the Hutt. What I wanted to know is, how come you never decided to, like, work solo or leave Jabba in any way at all? I think that you go with your loyal client. Jabba had enough um, work to provide Boba a substantial living that he just chose to go with those bounties. And he was also one of the highest paying um, uh, credits. So when it came to business, Boba Fett doesn't sit in the dark or he doesn't sit in the light. He sits on the money side, you know, where it's all about the money. So I, I think that's why it was perfect to class, classify him a bounty hunter. Um, and I think he just goes wherever the money is. I don't think he's biased against a, a Jedi, a droid, or any other character in Star Wars. It's just the fact that the job is the job, and he'll prove that he's the best bounty hunter, and he'll always come back with his, with his hunt. How did you react to Dave Filoni saying in panel after panel after panel, you know, Boba Fett doesn't really do anything but make a phone call to Vader. Blind guy with a stick takes him out. Like, how did you confront Dave Filoni about that sort of thing? Because he says that a lot. Yeah, I know. You just sit there and say, well, Dave, at least I got to call Darth Vader. He takes my calls. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I get to talk back to him. Not many characters in Star Wars can say they do that and still live through Darth Vader. So, I mean, there must be a connection there. Although he doesn't have the Force, he must have something about him that Vader has, can feel. Because it's a different character than the rest of the... He has no relations to any of the other bounty hunters. It's just pure, on a pure one-to-one, Boba Fett is the best hunter, call Boba Fett like they do with the Clone Wars. And I imagine Dave is largely joking with that. I, I no, imagine he's not he's, joking at all. No, he, he's <laughs> very much invested in the character when you two oh, yeah. were working on in the, the audio booth. Like, what kind, of, uh, what kind of direction would he get versus give you versus George? Well, they're two completely different directions because... Uh, George was, was uh, reintroducing this character to the franchise of Star Wars again, especially as a younger version. So there was a lot that he had to tread on where he had to be safe with, right? Where with the Clone Wars, we got to explore more as the character started to be loved as, you know, Boba Fett again. But then uh, we all had the questions, where the heck does this kid go? What happens after the arena? Who teaches him how to become a bounty hunter? Where does he get his armor from? You know, what makes him start to be a bounty hunter? Like... All these stories that we all want to know now, thanks to him just reintroducing Boba back in Attack of the Clones. And there's so many backstories that you can fill in now. And thanks to the fans, there's thousands of stories of Boba Fett. We talk them all the time, huh? <laughs> I mean, I, I sit at home talking Boba Fett. It's kind of nerdy, but I like it, you know? <laughs> so I trained to be a Jedi uh, a couple of years ago, and I started reading this book called The Jedi Path. And there's also one that I'm also planning to read called The Book of Sith. 
But there's also another one called the Bounty Hunter Code. Have you read that? And if so, and this is actually all three of you can chime in since you're all Bounty Hunter uh, fans. You, have you read it? And if so, what are your thoughts on the book? I've read uh, bits and pieces of it. I've seen like uh, Boba Fett's got notes scrawled throughout. Uh, it's really, really well done. Um, lots of fun little tips and like uh, I think there's a couple bits and pieces where Bosk has something written and Boba Fett will like cross over and be like, "Don't, don't listen, don't, don't do that." <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth a read and it helps you like um, if you're gonna do like cosplay for for Boba Fett, helps you get in the mindset characters and especially when you interact with other like Mandalorians or if you see a Bosk or a Dengar or anything like that you kind of have like the mindset of how to interact with each other so it's not really like you're not really antagonizing each other but you're kind of just like whoever gets the target gets the money like I'm, gu- I'm not gunning for you but I'm gunning for you <laughs> boy. see what we talk about this is my friends you know I love it Nino I read bits and pieces same thing but not, not that much See, that's why we're friends. We all just read bit, bits and pieces. My ADHD actually really loved the front cover. You know, with that book, you can buy, like, the cover page where you push, uh, put in a key. Oh, uh, and I was like, Think open those, yeah, the sounds, yeah, the, the little, put some dry ice exactly. in there. Exactly. Yeah, you got it? Yeah. That's what I love about that book. The cover? <laughs> the cover, yeah. yeah. That's me, I'm a cover Same man, you know what I'm saying? Like, ooh, this looks like that. a fun read. Open it. Wow, that's a lot of words. Close it. Put it back down. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. All right, so in Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader specifically says to Boba Fett, no disintegration. And I'm wondering, did you, did Boba Fett, disintegrate Luke's parents? Since stormtroopers never, in the Star Wars canon, have really disintegrated, so to speak. They're more blaster. They more use blasters, while Boba Fett has been known to disintegrate. And so did you disintegrate Luke's parents? Did you kill Luke's parents or not? That's... Actually, I'm going to take over for him. I actually read, there's like a, quite a bit of uh, speculation that he did. He did um, disintegrate the parents, uh, especially, I think, in between, um, I think it was in between Empire and Return of the Jedi, uh, Luke, I think, goes back to Tatooine, and Boba Fett hunts him down, and they get in a little spat. So it's like he knew where to look for Luke. So, I mean... That was in the uh, the comics, the yeah, Marvel the comics. comics. The, yeah, the and new ones that have come out. So they're, they're canon now. They're just yeah. called Star Wars, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in so, that, uh, Boba Fett in that, actually, Vader hires Boba Fett through Jabba the Hutt to find out who Luke's parents were, who Luke really is. And Boba Fett's the one who gets to tell Darth Vader that Luke Skywalker exists and is probably his son. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, that speculation is pretty, like... You've pretty done your research. Question. I love it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. You're well, very, very welcome. That was an awesome question. I like getting ones that are new like that. You know, you make your mind work. And then Alex already knows the answer, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know what Alex's answer. <laughs> yes. Hey, Daniel. I've been a big fan for a long time, written some pretty terrible fan fiction. Uh, <laughs> two things. <laughs> um, first of all, congratulations on your U.S. citizenship. We're glad to have you. God bless America. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That was like the, the second proudest day of my life. Star Wars and then, then my citizenship, I have to say. Hell yeah. Star Wars will always be the biggest part of my life, you know? Because without Star Wars, I wouldn't be a citizen. Because George actually wrote me a letter for my citizenship. That's awesome. Yeah, so I wrote, reached out to George Lucas and Rick, um, Rick McCollum and Ewan McGregor. Even though Ewan wasn't a citizen, <laughs> I figured his name still has weight, right? That so, um, 
my lawyer says, you, you're going to have to go back to New Zealand for about six months while they do the paperwork for your immigration. Mm. Um, and I'm like, six months? What am I going to do on an island in the middle of the Pacific for six months? <laughs> you know, there's cons to be going to, you know? So uh, I go back to New Zealand, and I'm there for all of maybe four or five hours, and I get this call. You've gotten your visa or my green card. I'm like, what? It's like, this is not heard of. Like, this usually takes six months for you to even get, like, a response. Like, it's been a week, and you already got approved. And it's like, you know that there was that one Star Wars fan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like the light of their day, you know? They're like, who's this Daniel Logan kid? But George, George Lucas approved. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You know it. I know it. And that's what I was like, dude, I pray, to, I pray to George Lucas. That's why I don't joke. Like, you know, there's a Jedi religion. I, I live it. I swear. And he's my God. It really is. So do you have a question? Yes. Uh, might be a dumb one, but I couldn't actually find it on the app or anything. Are you doing signings today and when? Oh, look at that book. It's so old. This I is am the, old, I know. I mean, this yes, is where the book is old. <laughs> you know, I am. Um... I think it's just the other day uh, I was sitting next to Nathan Fillion and his line just wrapped into my line. So I was like, well, I'm going to go hang out at Dragon Con. So I got up on the first day and then yesterday they had me running around so much. So and then I had to just run off to do this banquet. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'm going to go back and sit for a little while. I might have to chain myself to the chair, you know? Yeah. It's like the last couple of hours. I'm like, oh, I need some more Dragon Con. Right after, right after this uh, panel or later yes, this ma'am. evening? Oh, yeah, I'll go right after. Sweet. I'm used to women telling me what to do, so I was like, I'll be right over there, sure. Okay, I, don't, I don't argue anymore. You know, I you was just arguing. saluted her. Well, after she's the new boss, I gave her over the reins. It came from her, Darth Vader to me, now it's going from me to her. With a book like that, how can you not? I mean, I remember when that book first came out. That was the Scholastic book series. And when they brought out that book with the shiny cover as an ADHD little boy, oh, yes. right? Could you imagine having your own book, a face on a book and it being glittery? Like, oh. <laughs> Those are the original spinners, you know? I'm sitting there with my book. Like, <laughs> Thank you much. You're very welcome, sweetheart. <laughs> Next question. We've got time for just a couple more. Okay, so you've been talking about, you know, doing more Boba Fett. What about... Um, appearing in Star Wars Rebels or the young Han Solo movie that's supposed to be coming out? Um, I think they... Um, with the Rebels... <laughs> um, so, uh, stay tuned for season four. And who knows what's going on there? I certainly don't. Uh, and with Han Solo... My guess, and this is just my guess entirely based on speculation, is that uh, he would be in London right now were that the case, because they're pretty much reshooting everything. Yeah. Well, you never know. Yeah. I could be a clone. This isn't really Daniel Logan. It's actually one of Boba's clones. And Daniel Logan's actually sitting on set right now in London filming at the studios. That's a possibility. <laughs> I am the clone you've been looking for. <laughs> I'm sorry we had to be dodgy with your question. No, but uh, you know what? I think with the wrap-up of the, cl- of the uh, Clone Wars the way it did, it was hopeful that Boba would have appeared somewhere in the Rebel series. I think the fact that the character is just so beloved, it's hard to go to these places with him. And now with the future aspects of the movies and everything else, 
you kind of want to give him his limelight, right? So I think they're waiting to see how the rest of the films do, which they're all doing amazing. So they're just going to figure out how to add him into the whole universe of Star Wars. I would honestly like to see them do the same thing as Marvel and do like a Boba Fett, a Han Solo, and maybe a Bosk Dengar movie and then bring them all back together and call it like the Smuggler's Run or something like that. You know what I mean? Star Wars, the Smuggler's Run, you know? And then it's all based upon those characters and then they do like another Jedi series where they bring Obi-Wan back, you know, the Obi-Wan and then now they, and then they do, you know, other series of some Jedi or people on the, on the light side. And then they bring those stories together and they call that one Star Wars something, you know? And then they bring them all together and they bring it, call it an actual Star Wars again, you know? Because you can do all offshoots and they're all Star Wars films. But I think the title Star Wars gives us everything we want and need. And Boba Fett would be in all of them. In one way. Okay, our last question yes, yes. from the audience. Oh, hello, darling. How many years have you been Boba Fett? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I've, I've played Boba Fett for over 17 years. Right, like, oh, he got old. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was 13 years old when I played little baby Boba. He was meant to be between 10, to 8 and 10, something like that. But I was so short, I was able to play him so well. I was about your height, but I was 13. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a beautiful question, because I don't ever get asked that. And it's like when you ask a woman her age, you know, you start oh. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, 17 years. I should say that with pride, right? It's, it's, it's funny, because doing these cons... You know, for as long as I have, you get like the most nervous people come up and see you, and they're like, oh, "You don't know what to say, right?" But I got all these pictures of when I was a little boy on my on my table, and you know, ladies try to be polite and nice, and they're like, "Oh my God, you used to be so cute." <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, "Well, slap me now, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Logan." You know, I'm like, oh. but um, you know, and they're like, "Oh no, no, I mean, you're still alive today. You're a cute man. You're a cute man." <laughs> Thank you, darling. Thank you. <laughs> Gotta create the so, fetishes. Keep the fetishes alive, you know? With two T's. Yeah, two T's. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're on our stories uh, again. Um, so, uh, last question. i I just curious, like, um, you said you did Sharknado. You're doing more sci-fi work. What is it you're doing outside of Star Wars and conventions? Uh uh, film-wise that, that people might want to check out? Or are you still just working toward getting more stuff? No, I uh, last week I did a sci-fi film. Um, I got a cool picture on my Instagram of, of the suit. Um, they, I'm going to get the title of the name uh, probably this week and then start doing more of the uh, photos of, of the behind-the-scenes just to show everybody. But um, the Funko Pop toy company, they have a partner in, in Asia. And their, their Asian uh, partners have been taking me all over China, the Philippines, Thailand, and we've been doing different shows and stuff like that. Me not only doing the franchise of Star Wars, but also the Funko company also. So now they actually started to do films, and they thought about me for their first film, which they're going to be filming in the Philippines, which uh, will be next month. Um, but that, for you guys, if you guys are gamers, it's, it's, about a, it's called an e, uh, eSports movie, which eSports is basically the new world of gaming and sports uh, arenas. 
these arenas end up packing million, uh, like thousands of uh, people into these events, but these events draw millions of dollars for these kids who play this game called Dota 2. Dota 2 is a, is a uh, I mean, uh, uh, a, a game that you play basically like, a, uh, what would you call it? What kind of game is it? It's, a strat- it's like a strategy. Strategy game. Yeah. Yes. So they're making a film on that because they just did a tournament in Seattle and the prize pool money for the winning team uh, trickled down, but it was around the $26 million range. That's what I'm saying. I should have stuck in my video games. My mom's like, get outside. The video games aren't going to make you a future. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Wait, do you hear how much this kid made in Seattle? Just whack me and send me in my room again, you know? But, yeah, um, we're doing one on that because that whole world is just like the con world. There's such a big following and such a big love for it that it just, it's just should only be. But, um, yeah, I start filming that one next month um, in the Philippines. And for people to keep track of you, is Instagram probably the best way to do it while you're off on your adventures? Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my boys also. Uh, this is Wasted Fit. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Wasted Fit yet. He's, uh, he's my boy on Instagram. And then we have Lane Creation Studios. But they're just some of the Boba Fett builders, you know? And we just all support each other. Like, it's funny because when you're on Instagram, you end up finding a circle and a community. And you just help each other, you know? Um, and this just happens to be my cool little community. And what's what's your Instagram name for anybody who doesn't already oh, my, follow yeah. you? Uh, Insta Daniel Logan. If that was his, Insta Daniel Logan. Sorry, I said a little too excited. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Insta Daniel Logan. You can meet me on Facebook and Twitter. And be like, what the hell are the kids are saying? <laughs> so we're out of time. I want to thank you for coming and yeah, talking to you. us at DragonCon. And, and uh, I, I want to thank each and every one of you guys. Seriously, my stories. I can only I can only spread what I what I lived through and then share with you guys some of what my life has been like. And for you guys to sit and listen to my stories, honestly, I really appreciate it. I'm so sorry about Peter. Um, you know, that's the unfortunate thing is even actors like we're not immortal, you know, and then we end up going through problems ourselves, and it ends up becoming hard when you have to be in the limelight and also have to deal with problems back at home, especially when she's so far away. Um, so I know he wanted to be here. He he truly did. But thank you guys for listening at least to me. And I hope you have a lovely, lovely weekend and a more beautiful week ahead, guys. Take care. Well, there you have it. That is a great interview with Daniel Logan. Brian, thank you for sending that along to us and sharing with everybody. Um, I wish you and Holly safe travels after Dragon Con this weekend. And uh, basically, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so by using the SpeakPipe app on our website, which is fullofsith.com, or you can uh, record it on your phone or your tablet or your computer and just email it to holocron at com. Go to uh, com for all of your informations and links and art and all the stuff from this episode and others. Also, uh, facebook.com slash fullofsith. Go and like us there and facebook.com slash groups slash fullofsith. Go there and get in on all of the conversations that we have on a regular basis. Um, iTunes reviews, Stitcher reviews, you know, wherever you listen to us. If you feel... Uh, feeling kind today and you want to send over a nice review we always appreciate that as well and um i know that we have a lot to talk about on next week's show so uh, that's about as much as i can tease out of it without giving things away so until then i hope you have a great labor day holiday i hope you have a great week as well and me and holly and brian will be back for the episode next week so look forward to that if you'd like to uh, follow us on twitter you can follow us at full of sith at the mic at swank at surliest girl also so 
you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Brian's Big Shiny Robot, Holly's uh, Day Job Podcast, Stuff You Missed in History, Authentic History with Brian and Holly, you know, all the good stuff that we, you know, try to share at the end of the show. It's all in the show notes, too. So anyway, happy Labor Day uh, for my co-host, Brian Young and Holly Fry, and of course, Daniel Logan, that Brian got the interview at Dragon Con this week. I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you, always. If you're not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. <coughs>